0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Music Tectonics, the podcast that looks at the massive movements shaking up how we imagine music and tech. I'm your host today, Trister Newyer Yeager, Director of Strategy at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the music tech PR firm. I'm really excited to get to chat today with Alec Stavitsky, the CEO of Endel, as well as one of its six co-founders. Endel offers users visually elegant, sonically intriguing, customized experiences designed to enhance focus, relaxation, movement, and other activities. Though amazingly adept as entrepreneurs and tech whizzes, Alek and his colleagues are also remarkably artful and creative in the way they imagine how to deliver these experiences and how to work with artists like Grimes and James Blake. Aliyak himself has an interesting background outside of music, including a stint as a journalist and several other successful tech ventures, including a really cool app that encourages kids' creativity. Aliyak, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. Hi.
1: Hi. So, first, I would love to talk a little bit about Endel and its basics, um, the kind of experiences that it provides, etc. for folks who may not be that familiar with the app. So, can you walk us through a basic Endel session and what the user experiences as they're engaging with the app? Of course.
2: Yeah. You know, when I'm asked what Endel is, I usually say, look, this is a technology that was built to help you focus, relax, and sleep. Cause the way we do that is a little bit more complicated than that. Like the way we do that is we generate a personalized soundscape in real time on the spot, on the device, again, personalized to you. And our algorithm takes in information like, you know, the time of day, the weather, your heart rate, your movement. We plug all of this data into the algorithm and it creates a soundscape in real time. Personalized to you, does it make sense?
1: Uh, that makes absolute sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this customization aspect is super interesting. Um, I was curious, and you know, this I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. We'll we'll talk more about your team and and the company in a second. But how um, you know how did you guys figure out what? you know, how the sound should respond to someone's context or uh, state of mind, right? So you can respond to heart rate, it could respond to the time of day, to weather, etc. And, but it's kind of deeper than just like, you know, I mean you can go really deep if you're talking about customization. I want to hear a little bit about your perspective of what makes a good experience, like how how customized should it be um, and how do you decide what fits with what context?
2: Um, I mean, there's two scientific pillars behind Dendel, right one uh, is the science of the circadian rhythms because we all have that internal clock that is built into our bodies that you know regulates uh, your energy fluctuations during the day you know how you feel alert Mm -hmm. in the morning then you feel sleepy around lunchtime then you feel alert again so the way we work with that is we detect your location and from your location we understand where you are when the sun rises and sets where you are, you know, exposure to natural light. And we also couple that with information like, your sex, your age, your chronotype. And this allows us to more or less understand where you are right now on the so-called master circadian graph, which is this basically, it's a graph that shows you if your energy is going up or down. And actually, you know, during the day we have a limited um, number of energy peaks and drops and your energy is always going either up or down during the day. There's these fluctuations. So this basically informs the algorithm on your current energy state. And this gives us the information on what kind of sound should we be playing right now? Should we sort of help you if your energy is already going up? Like, should we support you? Or if you're trying to focus right now, but your energy, your natural energy is actually going down, should we help you basically counter that natural energy drop and still help you focus, for example. And this is when the second scientific pillar sort of comes into play, which is the neuroscience of how sound influences your cognitive state. Now, you know, we did not invent that science. There's a lot of research out there that talks about, you know, the specific frequencies, scales, and tones that influence a cognitive state. Uh, Just a few examples. For example, you know, we're using uh, an approach called the pentatonic scale, which is known to be very easily processed by the brain and is found in the the majority of traditional music throughout Mm -hmm. the world, right? Or we're using an approach called sound masking, which is essentially a combination of various colored noises, like pink noise, white noise, brown noise, things like that. And that mm-hmm. helps us kind of mask any unwanted and distracting sounds. And there's a few of these approaches. So we basically, you know, we work with uh, scientific consultants and they Basically instruct us on how we should be working with those inputs that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to helping you either focus, relax, and sleep, because that the same input is actually um, kind of different depending on what you're trying to do right now. Could mean different things. I mean, for the algorithm.
1: What has surprised you most as you've gotten really deep into this and started seeing, you know, feedback from users, etc.? You know, are there some audio surprises in there? Like, I never guessed that people would need this um, when they were in this mind state, for example.
2: What actually surprised me the most was like how little research there is Mm -hmm. available out there on, you know, how specifically sound influences your cognitive state? Because obviously, you know, we started digging into all of these white papers available, and like what the majority of them is saying is, you know, oh, when you're listening to Mozart, it makes you feel more relaxed. And when you're listening to Metallica, you know, it makes you more energized. We were, we were like, oh, really? Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, <yeah>. breaking news. <laughs> yeah, we're like, duh. But like, how about like one step deeper, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's there's almost no research on how exactly specific frequencies, you know, scales and tones, how your brain reacts to them. There's almost none of that. Hmm. So we basically uh we went deeper and we kind of started doing our own research. And you know, last year we've recruited fifty people and you know they were wearing they were wearing this. EG headbands that mm-hmm. measure your brainwave activity. And we were actually literally measuring people's brainwave activity uh, while they were listening to Endel and comparing that to their brainwave activity when they were listening to nothing, silence, yeah. or the most popular focus playlists on, you know, the DSPs. Yeah, so this was and dedicated then, well,
1: to focus, right? That was the yes. what you were measuring. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they, they were listening to endel focus mode specifically, and they were trying to concentrate at this, mm-hmm. one, like the, performing their task of choice. And we were then able to zoom in on a second by second basis and actually see, you know, what's happening with your brainwave activity when you're listening to a specific beat, for example. Right. And, uh, a lot of fascinating uh, things, uh, for example, You know, I was looking at someone's brainwave activity when they were listening to a static playlist. And you could see how there's these peaks and drops, Mm -hmm. peaks and drops throughout Mm -hmm. this session. And I could then, you know, literally zoom into the playlist and see what kind of songs they were listening to at the time. And the songs themselves, they're not, they were not as important, frankly. What was important is that it's just the nature of a static playlist. You know, you're listening to something and it, it consists of songs, and those songs have, you know, the beginning, the middle, and an end. Exactly. And it's so just
1: brains are anticipating uh, the, the arc of the song, not necessarily yeah. responding to the audio input itself. Like, the, it's the perception of the cultural unit of a song versus the, e- the perception exactly. of audio. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. That's really cool.
2: And then the song would end, you uh-huh. know, and you, you, you could see how when the song ended... You know the the concentration of that particular person went down, and then it would pick up again. So mm-hmm. it's almost distracting because you're getting into the zone, but then you're immediately going out of the zone. Oh wow! And then when you look at Endo, what we found is that the consistency of the beat specifically, and that beat is not just some beat; it's it's synchronized with your average racing heart rate BPM. And this is just something that we came up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, You could see how we bring people into the zone and we keep them there. That consistency was very, very important because, you know, uh, with Endel Focus Mode, the beat never stops. And that beat was also, what what also was very helpful is that beat was designed by Plastic Man, who was like, you know, the godfather of minimal techno. (laughs) So (laughs) it was was, was a
1: really good beat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's yes
2: yeah, it sounded really really well yeah, so I'm, I'm really proud but it needs to slightly ever so slightly mutate you know mm. it needs to change it cannot just stay because if you will it's just gonna you know, because i mean your natural response to that would be like okay i'm just gonna pick up a techno track and just keep listening to it or repeat
0: yeah no
2: unfortunately that doesn't work either because
0: wow.
2: yeah it needs to change otherwise your brain you know just gets used to that beat mm-hmm. and then you just, it, you just stops working for you so it needs to keep evolving and then it needs to take an advantage it, sorry it needs to take into account the information you know the other information about your energy about you know the time of day weather all of this so yeah uh, all of this was just it's... very very fascinating and we yeah. were like no one has done any research like this before us so we're more or less in uncharted territory here
1: so this is really interesting. Um, and I love that it's, you know, we're sort of circling around this a bit, but it seems like you need. You know, to avoid the the uh, switch cost effect, if we're talking about focus, right? You need mm-hmm. you need to avoid too much variety or anything that's too jarring or that fits into these sort of preconceived notions of what music does. Um, but at the same time, you need enough variety so that the stimuli are you know there's still there's still like audio stimulus, right? Um, so that's really really fascinating. So you know, as we, uh, so it sounds like there's a whole, there's, you still have a lot of work that could be done in the realm of customization. What are you, without giving anything, um, you know, (laughs) anything that you guys have up your sleeves Mm -hmm. away, how are Mm -hmm. you thinking about like the next phase in customization? What comes next? I mean, we have everything from like, you know, adaptive stuff for running. Um, there's, you know, things like Endel, like you said, for focus that shifts just enough to keep you on point. What, what's the next level of customization for, for an audio experience?
2: There's a couple directions, right? Mm. Like they were kind of exploring, I mean, and they were there from day one. This is something that mm-hmm. we have envisioned and to be from the very beginning. Number one is working with other senses, right? Like how should the light in the room, how should mm. the temperature in the room change depending on, you know, your circadian rhythms, depending on what we try to do right now, actually, when we were just going through the Texas Music Acceleration Program in 2018, they've given us this room where we have integrated Endel with, uh, you know, smart light system and mm-hmm. a smart thermostat. And it was just fascinating to bring people in and just, you know, show them how lights go down yeah. and temperature changes just because you're switching from focus to relax. That's so,
0: so that's cool. one direction. Nice. Yeah,
2: and I think we will definitely uh, – not, not, I don't think I – we are working on kind of exploring that part, like it, because Entel is truly, you uh, know, um, it's, it's not just a sound mm-hmm. uh, technology, I guess that's what I'm saying. But uh, something that, that was always a part of our kind of long-term vision was you not having to choose the soundscape or, it's, or a particular uh, activity, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's you just pressing play and so basically, I envision Endel as just this one play button at the end of, like, you know, with the, my, my end game vision is Endel <laughs> just have has just one button, and yeah. you open the app and you just say, hey, start playing. And it takes in all of the information, like your calendar, right? Like, it takes in information, all of the other inputs, and it's just automatically shifts between focus and relax and different intensities of those soundscapes and it suggests certain activities. So it is essentially a, you know, a generative soundtrack to your day. Mm -hmm. That's how I see Endel and this is what we're building towards.
1: That's really cool. So you've mentioned in past presentations that I watched online that you've done a lot of silent meditation and mindfulness work on your own. And I'm wondering, um, as someone who has worked with silence as a way to cultivate mindfulness or to change your mind state, how does audio, Like, what can audio do that silence can't? Um, What, you know, what is, what's the importance of sound and music um, in our, uh, you know, our search for finding balance or um, finding the right level of energy uh, versus sitting in silence in your
2: experience? I mean... Meditation in complete silence uh, without any audio or sensory or visual um, stimuli is very, very tough. Yeah. (laughs)
0: It's like the grandmaster level,
1: really, for us mere humans. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And this comes from someone uh, who has been to Fife. 10 day long silent vipassana retreats you know where i mean you go there they take away everything (laughs) they they take your phone but that's like they take any they don't allow any reading materials there whatsoever you're not allowed to talk your eye contact is forbidden so it's and and it's just all you do for 10 days is you you wake up I think it's like four thirty or five thirty. I don't remember. I think it's four thirty actually. And you just meditate, oh. and you have a few breaks during the day, and that's it. That's all you do, and it does work, right? Like, I mean, it, I it know sells, for it
1: sounds kind of like heaven to this working mom, <laughs> but I can see how it would also be. You would start hearing stuff in your head that um, would would oh, require yeah. a lot of challenging work.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That I mean, that that voice in your head. It. I mean. <sighs> First of all, there's a lot of voices is there just one voice? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can see how your brain starts, you know, it tries different strategies with you mm-hmm. because it, it gets really, really, really scared of this kind of more or less like a, a surgery that starts happening, you know, and it, and it, it bleeds, it threatens you. It's, you know, your, your brain gets very, very scared of this situation. But what I'm saying is a, not and it's you know when especially when people are saying oh you know you feel so stressed and the world is crazy you should try mindfulness meditation right now and it sounds like such an easy thing to do Mm -hmm. but it's actually a very very uh, in my mind it's a very elitist thing these days because i know for a fact that in order for mindfulness meditation to really work for you you need to commit to it and you need to meditate like an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. And it's just not a lot of people can just simply make the time for that or afford that, that, you know, that time mm-hmm. and, uh, let alone, you know, the fact that a lot of people are just didn't have, you know, and, and it's fine. Like not everyone has the discipline or the willpower to kind of, you know, really go with this and then really start meditating. For such well, a
1: long time and in, and and you know in in everyone's defense like the way the traditions that have these kind of meditative practices all over the world have a lot of like there's like an on ramp and an off ramp there's a you know a, a container to hold all this stuff, whereas in the modern world, we're just like go sit somewhere <laughs> you know yeah. there's no there's yeah. no real guidance um and and maybe guidance isn't necessarily required, but uh, it, it's more, there's a lot more to it than that in the traditional methods. And there's a reason why people have to spend years preparing for this kind of activity, yeah. you know, anyway, yeah. sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I,
2: I absolutely agree with you. So in that sense, yes, like, I mean, if we're talking, you know, an ideal scenario, yes, everyone would be meditating mm. in silence <laughs> and this is, and the world would be a, a, a much better place. Frankly, I, I, I firmly believe that. Unfortunately, there's just not, you know, the world that we live in and we live in a constantly connected world. And I also, you know, this is something I'm quoting in our uh, manifesto on our website, which I wrote, which quotes Marshall McLuhan, who, in the, it's crazy, I think it was 1965 and 1967. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, we're using, you know, the, the, the media of the old to solve the problems that we are facing as a society right now. Mm. And unfortunately, that's exactly the case. Like we have these modern apps that deliver practices, mindfulness meditation that are like thousands of years old. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, they're, unfortunately, they're just not designed to help us cope with the insane, uh, you know, 24-7 connected world that we live in so this is where sound comes into play in my mind because it's just the easiest way to control your environment Mm -hmm. you know what could be easier than put on headphones just playing something and we all know the power of sound and the power of music it's just every single person in this world knows this right and even john cage said that there's you know there's no such thing as an absolute silence right yeah because you, you know, your body still produces sounds and everything is a soundscape to me, actually, at this point, frankly. <laughs> exactly. So there's, yeah, it's it's very hard to be in absolute silence. So I think we should be using sound. And I think sound is the the easiest way to kind of take our environment under control.
1: That's a really, um, that's a really good point. And in some ways, it makes me think a bit about your work with artists. And I'd love to dig into that for a minute here. Um, you know, you, you've you worked with some very distinct, unique, idiosyncratic artists. Like, I mean, Grimes would be exhibit <laughs> A, right? She's she's pretty special. <laughs> she does her thing, right? Um, and, and yet you have this very, um, you know, when you're talking about what Endel is doing and how it's responding, there's some specific kind of parameters that need to be met for um, for it to be effective. So how do you balance the distinctiveness of uh, an artist with a vision um, with the, the needs that a user may have and the sort of um, higher, you know, mission to bring people to different uh, kind of a different way of understanding their own minds, if I may put it that way
2: sure i mean I, I have a few anecdotes right yeah like, you know, uh... <laughs> go for it <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know b- before we dive into those like just to explain how exactly the process of mm-hmm. working with an artist looks like right those artists they never submit you know an um, actual recorded composition they never create like a full song mm-hmm. uh, what they do is we supply them with a list of guidelines we're saying hey we need That many chords you know that many pads that Mm -hmm. many vocals uh 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 and they need to be in that scale so it's it's a guideline document and it depends that those guidelines they are different depending on you know whether we're working on a sleep soundscape or a focus soundscape Mm -hmm. or uh you know a running soundscape they are different so at the end of the day what the artist submits is what i call a set of building blocks they're like lego blocks and they're, they're in, in uh, the music industry, they're called stems. They're mm-hmm. individual sounds from one to, let's say, 10 seconds long. And we then feed them into the algorithm. And the algorithm then you know splices those, uh, picks the right stems and splices them together, like overlays them with some post-processing effects, depending on what the inputs are.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So the artist never actually has you know, the full control Of what is uh, going to happen, you know, what the algorithm is going to come up with. And this is the first thing I always say to the artist like, you need to be prepared to let go. You're not in control basically, it's a new tool, you know, you, you you kind of throw stuff into the machine, and then you take a step back, you take your hands off, and then you kind of, you know, hear what comes out of the machine. But you, there are ways, of course, to tweak the end result. Like, it's not like it's just a one-way road. No, there's, we do have, we have built this uh, um, tool set, which we, we're calling Endel Studio, and it's all powered by our technology that is called Endel Pacific. And so the artists, has a chance, the artist has a chance of uh, kind of, you know, affecting the end result, of course. And it was very funny because, you know, for example, with Grimes, she was very chill. She was like, I love the sound of it. She's like, I just, I don't feel this particular vocal that I've added here. Let's remove that, change Mm -hmm. that to, uh, you know, some other vocals. It was more about her lawyers because obviously, you know.
1: <laughs> that's, where, that's where it always ends in the music business. The fun stops, but no offense, entertainment lawyers who are listening. But uh, yeah, when the lawyers come in, that's when things get, you know, a little but less chill. Yeah, I mean, course, <laughs> yeah, but, I
2: mean they, they have her best interest in mind. Yeah, of course. I mean, and I, 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 their job. I can totally understand like the, the, where they were coming from. They were like, she needs to approve. She approved the soundscape. So the soundscape needs to appear In your products wow exactly the way she approved it like i was like what what is it that she's approved you know what i mean because it's like i mean she heard like a particular version uh that was that sounded uh, a certain way because it was like that time of day that weather Mm -hmm. uh, and they they did had a bit of a hard time to kind of you know Acknowledging the fact that it's like the artist can never anticipate all sorts of combinations of the soundscape. Uh, or to give you another uh, example, you know, when we were working with Plastic Man, Rich Houghton, right? Like, who's a, a genius artist? Like, and when, and his, his music is so precise. It's so architectural. It's, you know, it's very, very sparse in the sense that there's mm-hmm. not a lot of sounds there. Yeah. But each and every sound, each and every bass, and each and every kick, yeah. it's, you know. It's just it's, perfect. It,
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's
2: there. And it's, it's, it's very, it's surgical almost, <laughs> you know. So we sent him like a few demos of what the algorithm came back uh, came up with. And he came back to us and he was like, well, I have a, I have some notes. And then he <laughs> yeah. proceeds to open like a list of notes where he literally, you know, he comments on a second-by-second second basis. Oh my God. And we were like,
1: <laughs>
2: and we were like, he's like, second forty-five. You know, there's this bass here, and it it misses that that reverb echo that I've applied there. So we're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh we we there is a few things that we need to talk about here. So we he ended up coming into our studio several times and we've spent hours and hours just listening to what the algorithm is coming up with and kind of setting up. We were like, please stop giving feedback on the actual sounds that you're hearing. Start giving feedback in rules. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you, Tra- train you, our we-
1: algorithm. Don't, don't tell us, like, could you please tweak the... <laughs> the reverb yeah 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 yeah, exactly
2: because that's just not gonna work and it i think i find that fascinating and this goes back to the ideas of brian eno actually you know Mm -hmm. back from he was working on ambient music and he was he's the inventor of ambient music right like he was always saying that what fascinates him about ambient music is that you create a framework and then you kind of feed stuff into the framework and then you take a hands-off approach and then the system almost plays itself so Mm -hmm. that's exactly how algorithm how our algorithm works like the artist you know they have a lot of control over what the rules are um but then the end result is still you know, produced by the algorithm.
1: Makes me think of uh, ancient instruments like the Aeolian harp, right? Where you mm-hmm. you basically set up the parameters and see what the environment produces in terms of sound. That's really cool. Um, going back to our friends, the lawyers. Um, you are really <laughs> at this frontier that is a really challenging one. Even though we, you know, we've had generative music out, you know, in the marketplace, for lack of a better way to put it for, you know, five, six more years, right, yeah. in its current, in its current iteration. And yet, you know, we're still getting law, um, you know, f- we just had a recent, uh, there was like some recent news about um, basically that that uh, an AI can't be the composer for, um, you know, in terms of copyright in the US. So there's okay. uh, so many things to be worked out. And, you know, a lot of you're pushing against some pretty hard and fast cultural norms of the music industry, like, you know, artists being able to approve everything once they've reached a certain level, that kind of thing. Um, how, what, what sort of, what have you developed as, as an entrepreneur and as someone who's trying to sort of straddle the, the technological and creative sides of this um, to, to help people understand and you just gave that great example with plastic man are there any sort of general principles that you you know you've developed after talking to a lot of labels lawyers etc um that you feel are valuable
2: well i mean it's also you know uh, another big question is the question of ownership Mm, right. Like, which yeah. is a big, big conversation in the music industry right now, like who there's each and every artist wants to know who owns their masters, like who owns the masters, mm-hmm. right? Like, and in case of an album, obviously, this is a very important question because the masters, you know, the mean, mean, essentially means the songs in our case. This is not, this question is frankly not that relevant Mm
0: -hmm. because
2: if we're talking about individual stamps and some of them are just like one second long, like, I mean, the question of who owns the masters for those particular stamps is almost irrelevant because the algorithm, the end, the so-called quote-unquote recorded composition, and this is what everybody cares about in the music industry, the recorded composition is created on the fly every time someone presses play inside their apps but the algorithm creates the quote unquote recorded composition and it's never recorded because it's never, it's, it's never a static composition. Like it's always, it's, it's ever changing. It's um, so this question also, this is, I think the question of ownership. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is something that we had to work around and, and kind of frankly explain to people it, it comes down to explaining what the artist submits and what the end result is in certain cases we actually had to you know play people you know what the artist submitted and we're like listen to this and it's like you know like like or, or like, a, like a kick uh yeah. and we're like well this is this is what the artist submitted and 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 now let's listen to the soundscape that is created by our algorithm on the fly right now so we 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 just have to explain a lot of concepts and 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 have people listen to it and you know we we have been slowly but steadily developing a legal framework uh, mm-hmm. for what we're doing and this was fascinating and also very interesting process and actually our our uh legal uh, our music lawyer whose name is Henry Ruth, his uh you know he's been in the music industry since the 60s i believe like he's worked with you know the grateful dad for example (laughs) so he comes and he, he i mean he literally emails me every day and texts me every day and says that you know his work on Andal is what you know, excites him the most. He's like, this is the most fun I've had since the 60s. Awesome. <laughs> because Yeah, because he's like, this is new, this is uncharted mm-hmm. territory, and I have to explain these new concepts to all of these people. So it's, it's just very, very, very interesting and, and exciting, but of course also very, very challenging. And sometimes you know, people, people don't understand what we're doing here. But I can tell you that I feel that the narrative is changing. I yeah. think people are way more open now to what we're doing that they, than they were in, say, 2019, even, when we did this infamous Warner Music distribution deal, mm-hmm. when people like massively freaking out. You know, there, there were all of these headlines. Of like, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, I remember the nothing. sort of the end of
1: the end of music, mm. the end of artists, yes. like uh, all the sort of craziness that was circling around AI between like yes. 2015, 2019. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel
2: that narrative has changed, luckily, because yeah. and and we were like, no, no, no. Look, look, this is how we use it, and mm-hmm. there's there's no there's no music without the artist, even if, if we're talking about AI. Um, so yeah that's that's where we are right now, but we, I, th- I think we're still in the kind of, you know, explanation phase, if you will. <laughs> but there's some groundwork that has been laid out.
1: Yeah. I, I also think we're in this really interesting period of tension between, as you were saying, the static owned. Uh, mm-hmm. Music paradigm and the constant creation, uh, music as process, music as lifestyle extension, for lack of a better word, like the, you know, the fact that they're little instruments you can just play when you feel like, you know, doodling around. Or there's, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, the, you know, whether it's the use of stems or you know how music is being broken down into smaller pieces that can be reused in new ways. I and mean, there's just so many mm-hmm. different ways that music is becoming less of, or it's not just an owned set thing. It's more like the Grateful Dead, right? Like you never knew what you were going to hear when you went to their shows. Um, There was, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always been that side of things. It seems to be bursting out a little bit more thanks to some of these new technological developments.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of very interesting applications Mm -hmm. of uh, technology to, you know, how the music, how uh, to what I think what, what what is being challenged right now is frankly uh, what do we call music and what is the concept of an album yeah. and, and and a song right because we 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 know that on these piece music is primarily consumed through playlists right like that is a, a playlist is now kind of you know the predominant form in which music is consumed. So people think playlists, they don't think individual tracks, they don't think albums even, they think playlists. And here comes Endel and we're like, no, how about the concept of a soundscape that is that never ends, is this morphing, ever-changing substance that is around you and that adapts to whatever is happening in your life. And it's... Uh, it's not even. We're not even positioning the, this as music, right? Like we're saying, this is not something you listen to consciously. This is something you listen to when you want to achieve a certain cognitive state or gonna be put in a certain cognitive state. So. I think all of these concepts are very, very fascinating to me. And I think they go back to, you know, the ideas, as I keep saying, of, you know, Brian Eno and Steve Reich and Mm -hmm. Philip Glass and even Eric Satie, if we go really back.
1: Oh man, right. Sati, shout out. He's he's a, he's a favorite. I'm yeah. a fangirl.
2: <laughs> uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> music, right?
1: Yeah, some of the best music to play too to relax. Like it is a really mm-hmm. relaxing uh music to perform as well. Anyway, <laughs> don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but yeah, there's there's been thinking along these lines for so many years about what what music could be as an experience versus a product or, mm-hmm. you know, um this, this is so great. Thank you for for going down some of these pathways with me. Now, this mm-hmm. is my favorite part of our podcast because we get to get a little sci-fi. And what you uh-huh. were just saying, Aliag, made me think... And the fact you mentioned before that Endel wants to have multiple sensory dimensions. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear your thoughts on how Endel might incorporate a visual, a more immersive experience, like something visual. I mean, you mentioned temperature and lighting, um, but you also have some really talented visual designers and, and, um, you know, fine artists on on your team. What's the next visual dimension for something like this? How could we enhance the effects of sound um, by adding a level of, of vision or other senses, um, how are you guys imagining that? Like, we can think five years from now, or you know, we can get full like holodeck mode. <laughs> but uh, what are you what are you imagining?
2: We can look, you know, as far as a couple weeks from now. Think,
1: <laughs> <because> <laughs> Very pragmatic, spoken like a true CEO. Thank you. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go to outer space. You're like, no, no, let's go to South.
2: <laughs> no, but the, the reason I'm bringing up you know um, this this time frame is because we're about to go live on smart TVs. Right, yes. like we're working on an Apple TV version of Andel, mm-hmm. and this is because yeah, we do have a visual component uh, to each and every soundscape that we put out, and this the the idea was always you know you need to. Be constantly mesmerized by Endel whenever you're interacting with it. So, when you're opening the app and you're, I don't know, like setting up a timer or choosing a soundscape, we want you to see that visualization that is also procedurally generated and created by our art director, Prote, who is, as you said, um, an established contemporary artist. Uh, So, basically what we're doing with the smart TV version is we're putting that visualization, that visual component of handle, you know, uh, up front, because obviously this is something that you're going to be playing on your TV and it's just going to be there all the time. So it's, it's, it's a, a much more visual on audio. It's an, it's a true audio visual experience. I guess that's what I'm saying. And that's just the very first step into the direction of us creating this Multi sensory experiences with Endel. And that's how we've always envisioned Endel. Now, if we think a few years from now, we're actually, I am personally very, very, very passionate about um, the sound ecology of public spaces. Yeah. Right. Uh, And this is just something that I think we as a society do not think about at all. And, you know, I mean, the sound ecology uh, uh, that we're living in and the sound, obviously affects us in, in, in a very, very serious way. Yeah. And no one is thinking about how, sound, how you know, places like, I don't know, airports or railway stations or the underground, like all of these places, they're just, or, I mean, just just the, some of the streets in the cities that we live in, you know, they're just very, very polluted in terms of sound. Mm-hmm. So this is something I want to tackle as well. This is something I really am really passionate about, creating a soundscape that is being played in uh you know hospitals railway stations uh airports uh just frankly creating a soundscape for like a a a block um um, something like a street block i mean yeah something like this and this is what i'm really passionate about and this is what i'm hoping that we're going to be able to do with endel in you know in the next kind of let's say 12 to 24 months time frame.
1: That would be incredible to have the sound of a block um, or especially mm-hmm. if it could incorporate uh, whatever the materials of the building and and the dimensions of the street. And, you know, you could come up with all sorts of interesting parameters that would reflect the sort of archi- architectural environment as well as, um, you know, the, the, the natural sounds that may occur there. That's really mm-hmm. cool. I, I, I think a lot about how when we change from internal combustion engines to electric, motors or electric Mm -hmm. engines we're going to be hearing more and more different kinds of sounds (laughs) as an american you notice a lot of vehicle sounds in the u.s so we're you know yeah lots of lots of loud 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 vehicles so um anyway this has been really great thank you so much for your time and um for for this fascinating conversation
2: thank you thank you for having me uh it was very fun (laughs) (laughs)
0: Eleanor here with some big news. The Music Tectonics Conference returns for 2022, October 25th through 27th. After riding the waves of pandemic change online and in the metaverse, our fourth annual conference is returning to an all-in-person format in the Los Angeles area. We're planning three days in Santa Monica, California for panels, keynotes, exhibitors, a startup pitch competition, networking, and connecting. We've selected offbeat venues in easy walking distance of each other and the beach. Early bird tickets go on sale April 5th at musictectonics.com. Mark your calendar, set an alarm, tell your virtual assistant whatever it takes, because the first 25 people to register will get a super early bird discount. If you're not getting my newsletter, head over to musictectonics.com now and sign up. You'll get updates on the music tech and innovation programming we're planning for this year's conference, insider deals, and more. See you in California this October.
2: Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dmitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.